Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for June 30th, 2019. Today, Pastor Olu brings us a message titled, In Order to Believe, Engage, Respond, and Proclaim. As we continue our new series in the Gospel of John and this salvation provided to us, we look at what our specific responsibilities are according to the scriptures as it relates to this wonderful salvation that we have. We see that the Bible gives us very specific instructions to obey as to how we should engage, respond, and proclaim the truth of this good news. So grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's Word here on Followers of the Way. So, we've started our series on evangelism. It's not really the title of it. I'm kind of playing with the title right now. I don't know if you need to have a title, but it's something about believe, so you will believe. And it's from uh, the theme of John, what we looked at last week. So real quick, just going to read it again. John chapter 20, verse 30. And Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Wanted to focus uh, our attention on salvation, not from the doctrinal point, but he has taken us through that as we walk through our statement of faith. But from the practical point as for what we need to be doing as far as a body of Christ is telling people about Christ. And how do we go about doing that? And what is it that we need to be telling them? So that's the basis of uh, the series of messages. And we're going to use the book of John, go through the book of John, and highlight those areas. When we talk about the gospel message, real quick update from last week. I had a big board and a lot of stuff was written on it. But there was four things that we saw in the gospel message that we want to make sure that as we tell us about Christ, we make sure that we include these. The first thing was God. We have to talk about God when we talk about salvation. We're witnessing the people. We have to talk about God, the fact that God exists and the fact that God is in charge, the fact that God is creator, because that is the basis of the situation. God exists and he created the world. And the Bible says in Genesis that he created it and it was good. God created the world, and it was good. Then God created man, and man decided, I hear what you say, God, as creator. You had a will. You have how things you want done. I hear your way. I'm going to choose my way. And from that point, the good that God created that was injected into that good, bad. And that bad was rebellion. Rebellion means I'm supposed to do this. I'm making a conscious decision not to, and that's what sin is. And so when Adam says, God said, do this, don't do that, I'm going to take it upon myself to do it anyway because that's what I want to do, and we have the conflict, God's way versus my way, and that is where the rebellion takes place, and in that is what, that is what sin is. And with that, the Bible says, sin enters the world and death by sin. Because of that, the wrath of God, the Bible tells us, is upon us who are ungodly, those people who are in active rebellion. And so when we're talking about salvation, when you're talking about witnessing the people, not only do you have to bring in the concept of who God is and how he made the world and was perfect, we have to talk about sin. If you're witnessing somebody or we're, we're, we're telling people about Christ and we're not talking about sin, about rebellion, about our way versus God's way, then we have dropped the ball in that area. And so there's sin, there's something that goes against what God says. And so there is a rebellion then. We are actively rebelling against God. 
And so to end that rebellion, to reconcile us, to bring us back, God himself came and took on flesh and he lived a life and then he died. Why did he die? Because because of that rebellion, there were two things. There was a punishment of sin and there was a penalty of sin. The punishment, the payment, the reaction to my rebellion is death. And so Jesus came down and he lived a sinless life and he died to take my place. And once he did that, he put us in a position that if I were to abandon my rebellion, stop going my way, turn and start going God's way, drop my weapons of my revolt that I picked up and was trying to shoot against God, drop that and place my trust and reliance on Christ, then the Bible says thou shalt be saved. Why do I need to be saved? Why is the gospel good news? Because of the bad news. So you have to talk about God. You have to talk about sin, the revolt, the rebellion against God. You have to talk about Christ and how he satisfied that punishment, satisfies that payment. And then you have to talk about what I have to do. I have to trust and rely on God. And then the final part is, and you shall have life in his name. Because of that, we shall be released from that bondage of sin. We shall be released from the power of sin and released from the penalty of sin, and now I can have life eternal and life everlasting. And so there is a hope that comes with salvation, that this is not the end. Though I see sickness and pain and sadness, this is not the end because of what Christ did on the cross. If I were to trust and rely on him, there will be life, and we, there is a hope, and there will be victory, and God will take over the kingdom. So, John said, the reason I wrote this book and the reason I specifically put these things in is that so you would believe. And so John's desire was for us to believe, for us to trust, for us to rely on God. And so our responsibility as Christians is to, well, before Christians, is to do that, to believe, become a Christian. And then our responsibility is to spread that good news to the world, from next door to around the entire globe. And so today we're going to look at what is my responsibility based on this. I'm saved. I'm good. Yay. I get the eternal life. I'm not bound to sin now. I don't have to sin. I'm not a slave to sin now because the word and Jesus Christ has set me free. I don't have the wrath of God over me. God is not angry at me. That, that holy wrath of punishment is not over me anymore. Remember that cartoon? They show cartoons of guys walking around with like a cloud following them everywhere they go. It's the cloud everywhere. That, that's the picture. That's what I think of when I think when the Bible says the wrath of God uh, in Romans chapter 3. Paul says the wrath of God is on the ungodly. It's just everywhere you go. It's God's wrath. It's lightning and, and all that stuff's going on. But because of what Christ did of his righteousness, that wrath is not gone. Paul said that there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I'm good. I have to now live out that life in holiness, but I have a responsibility to spread that good news. And so the word of God instruct us. I kind of like, I don't know if Padilla notices, but I like it when Padilla's messages and what God is telling him to share, how it coincides with what God is uh, leading me and telling me to share. And so when last week, Padilla is talking about our responsibilities and showing things that we're supposed to do because we're saved, just because we're the New Testament now doesn't mean now all God's requirements are over, his laws are over. There are things that as a believer, I am commanded to do. It's not a suggestion. 
It's not in when you have time. It's not in depending on your personality. No. God says, do these things. And so we're going to look at a couple of those things and how they relate to what is my responsibility now that the wrath of God is gone from me. Now that I've understood that God is creator. Now that I understood that I've rebelled against God. Now that I've turned away from my rebellion and dropped my weapons and put my trust and reliance on him. Now that I've embraced this new life. Now and the hope of a better life that's coming. Turn with me to the book of Jude. Jude is one of those books that don't have many chapters. Matter of fact, it only has one chapter. And so a lot of times you hear people say Jude, and then instead of, you know how you say, turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 6, or John 1, 5, you hear people just <laughs> skip the chapter and say, turn to Jude 3. That's cool. Instead of saying Jude chapter 1, verse 3, I just say, turn to Jude 3, because you should know it's only one chapter. <laughs> so Jude 3, Jude was a brother of James, who we think, well, some tradition says that he was a brother of Jesus also. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, those who are called, loved by God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Then Jude tells us the purpose that he wrote this book or this letter. He said, dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share. That's what our topic is. We're talking about salvation. Jude says, I was eager, I was excited to write to you about the salvation we share. Although I was about to do that, I found it necessary to write. Appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. So Jude said, hey, I picked up my pen, I sharpened my pencil, I got some fresh paper, and I was going to write to you about salvation. And we're going to talk about this wonderful salvation that we share. But as I was about to put pen to pad, I found it necessary not to write about that. He said, we know what the salvation has. I'm going to take this time and appeal to you. I'm going to beg you to contend for the faith. What was that? What does that mean? What was Jude saying? I had to switch it up. That word contend in the original language is a compound word. Okay, the first part means toward, so I'm going toward something. The second part, the word is actually agonizomia. It comes from the word, it's familiar with our word agonize. And so what Jude was saying that we need to agonize towards something or to strive towards something, to contend earnestly. That word has the idea to engage in some type of competition or engage in some type of campaign to win or to achieve something. And so Jude said, listen, I was going to write to you about salvation, but I need to write to you to agonize towards something. I need you to put forth all your strength and all your energy. I need you to go all out for this faith that we have. To spend all of your energy to conquer something. That's what that idea to agonize means too. And so Jude says, I need you to engage. I need you to put all your energy. I need you to put all, go all out to achieve this faith or this belief, what we believe. To contend for it. That means that I might have to engage. That word also means engage. That means I might have to engage with people about this faith, about what I believe. That means there might be some confrontation. There might be a conversation that we have. 
Jude says that I was going to write to you about salvation, but I need to write to you to contend. Keep pushing. Keep striving. Keep agonizing to go all out with this thing that you believe. And so one of the commands is to do that. Listen, my salvation is personal. My faith is, you know, it's just for me. And so, you know, I don't really want to go out and, and, and try to force my face on you, force my faith on you, or, or, or to make you feel uncomfortable, because, you know, you have to have your faith. And so, you know, you believe what you want to believe, and I believe what I want to believe, and we'll just be in happy unity. You said no. No, 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 no. Because what we have is the good news, because there's bad news. And so I just don't go out there and get in a conversation about somebody and then we start talking about salvation. I kind of back off because I don't want to hurt their feelings or I don't want to put us in an uncomfortable conversation or I really got something else to do or I really don't know all I should say. So I'm just going to not really or, you know, what they got some good points. I don't know how to answer that. So I'm just going to back off and, you know. This is not really the time or place to get into that. Or I'm not a preacher and I didn't go to Bible school. So I really don't know all that. So I'm just going to. No. Jude says, contend. Get up in there. Go all out. I think of sports. I always go back to sports, you know, and I, and I think of some of the most vicious athletes out there. I think of Kobe. Kobe, he, he didn't have a gauge. He had zero and he had 1,000. That was it. And so when he went, he was at 1,000 at all the time, engaging, contending. Jude says that as believers, we are to contend for this faith. What I believe, I need to make sure I'm going all out with it. How I live it and how I explain it and verbally discuss it with people. Turn to Titus chapter 1, verse 9. There's some other things we need to do based on that. Contend for the faith. Engage. Really want to, you know, make an uncomfortable situation. No, engage people for this faith. Hey, are you um are you are you still in rebelling, rebelling against God? Or have you stopped your rebellion? What you talking about? No, 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 you're rebellion. Because there's God's way and there's your way. Have you is, have you decided that I'm gonna stop doing my way and start doing God's way? What does that mean? I've engaged. Now I'm in a conversation. Now there's some dialogue that we can take place and I can contend. I don't have to know all the answers, because the Bible never commanded me. To save people. It just told me to contend for the faith, to engage in those conversations. Titus chapter 1, verse 9. This is Paul writing to Titus, and he says in verse 9, holding to the faithful message as taught, so that he will be able both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. Paul told Titus, say, listen, one of the things that you need to be able to do, one of the things that as a, as a he's talking specifically to overseers or to people in God's house or, or the people there to the elders in every town. But this goes to all people because it's talking about what is our responsibility as believers holding to the faithful messages taught so that he will be able to both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. And so as believers, I need to be able to, one, encourage people with sound doctrine. Paddy had talked about that, sound teaching. That's healthy teaching. That's teaching that lines up with how it should be. And to be able to refute those who contradict it. What does that mean? That means that as a believer, I should be able to encourage as I engage, because I'm contending for the faith, 
and I need to be able to refute those with opposition. Well, that ain't true. The Bible don't say that. Or that can't be true because well, there's many gods. Depends on who you believe. Or why do you think Christianity is the only way? Or who's to say the Bible's true? There's so many stuff messed up in that. Or listen, you believe in Jesus. That's good for you. I just don't do that. I'm still a good person. I'm cool. All those things are in opposition to what the word of God says. And so Paul says, tells Titus, say, listen, you need to be able to refute those who go opposite to what the Bible says. As I contend for the faith, as I engage, as I go all out, as I give it my 110 percent, as I black mama this. OK, I love that because a lot of people, you hear people today and you hear the soft Christians I probably shouldn't say a soft Christian. Well, it's soft Christians. No, the Bible tells us not to judge. You know, you shouldn't judge. So I'm not going to judge them for what they do. That's their life. I just make sure that I'm living right and I won't judge them. Only God can judge me. They turn to Tupac all of a sudden. Only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. Well, that's cute. But the Bible doesn't say that. Paul told Titus, hey, listen, as a Christian, you should be able to refute those who goes against. So that means if someone says something opposite what God said, you are commanded to step in. No, that's not true. God said X, Y, Z. And so what you're saying is opposite of what God said. Have a good day. I'm engaging. I'm going all out. Why? Because the Bible commands that I should be able to do that. And so all those people you shouldn't judge, no judging crowd. Okay, I won't judge, but I will refute. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you that what you're saying right now, how you're living right now is wrong because it goes against the Bible. It's an opposition of the Bible. And so I can pick things that you say. I can see actions that you do. Oh, you're doing that? You think it's okay to do that because I can't judge you? I won't judge you, but I'm going to line it up against the Bible because that's what Paul told me to do in Titus, to line what you're doing against the Bible and see if that contradicts. Let's see what you're doing. Uh, yeah, that contradicts this. And so I'm supposed to refute that. That's what God tells me to do. Turn to uh, 2 Timothy, one book back, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25. This is Paul again. He was talking to Titus in the previous verse. Now he's talking to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25, Paul says, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 26, then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. My responsibility as I contend, as I engage, as I agonize, as I go all out when it comes to this faith, when it comes to what I believe, when it comes to this salvation, is not only am I to encourage and refute people who go against what God says and live against what God says, I am supposed to also correct those who are in opposition. So I refute means I say, nope, that's not what the Bible says. Nope, that's not how you're supposed to live. No, you should not do that because God said don't do that. I'm supposed to also correct. Listen, not only should you not do this, this is what you should be doing. Paul said instructing his or her opponents. I'm supposed to be correcting those who oppose what God says. This is my responsibility. This is what God has asked me to do. This is what I do because of the faith that I have. I like how Paul tells him doing that in gentleness. That don't mean going there with a baseball bat. 
you wrong. But in gentleness and calm, I can say, listen, I see what you're doing. And yes, you have a right to do what you want to do. As a matter of fact, that's what sin is. That's rebellion. Because God who created us said, do this. You have a right to do what you want to do. But you have to understand, when you make that decision not to do what God says and to do what you want to do, now you set up a kind of a contest. You set up kind of a fight. You set up kind of a war because you're going against the creator of this universe. And so there's rebellion there. And because of that rebellion, there's a punishment for that. That punishment is sin. I mean, the punishment of that sin is death. You're bound to sin. The wrath of God is on you. And so you need to stop that rebellion. This is what the salvation message is. This is how we engage and have these conversations with people. Contend for the faith. The second thing, as you turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, not only because of this salvation, remember what John said. I wrote this so that you may believe. 1 Peter chapter 3, not only am I to contend for the faith, not only does the Bible tells us to engage, to agonize, to go all out, to put forth that energy against all who come against you, against every rivalry, against any competition. Not only that, but the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.15, let's read it. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, but in your hearts... Regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Peter said, we heard from Paul. Now, Peter comes on the scene. You heard from Jude, first of all. Then you heard from Paul. Now you're hearing from Peter. Peter said, listen, it is your responsibility, Christians. It is your responsibility, followers of Christ, it is your duty, your command from God, followers of the way church, that not only should you contend for the faith, but you need to also be ready to give an answer to anyone for anything that you believe. I like how it says in, in this translation, be ready at any time to give defense to anyone that asks you what you believe. Now that word Defense there is where we get our word apologetics from, because that word is apologion, means a defense. It means to give an answer. Now, what's interesting about 1 Peter chapter 3 is you have to understand the context. Whenever you're reading scriptures, make sure, don't just open the book and start reading it. Make sure you look at the context of what it's talking about, because context is very important. Peter is writing to Jews. Peter is writing to Jewish Christians. Peter is writing to Jewish Christians who are currently suffering. So what's happening after Jesus came and he died and he rose and people started getting saved, a lot of the Jews, a lot of the Romans, a lot of people start persecuting the Christians. They start going door to door. You remember what Paul used to do, door to door. You saved, you believe in Jesus, okay, they'll kill him, take them, uh, take his children away, take all his stores away, take all his money away. He lost his job. We're going to feed them to the lions. We're going to rip him apart. All that stuff was going on during that time. There was heavy persecution on those people who had decided that they were going to give up the rebellion against God, drop their weapons of revolt, and turn and trust and rely on Jesus Christ. And so Peter picked up his pen, and he started to write to these Christian Jews who were suffering for Christ. 
And we use the word suffering sometimes. Oh, I'm suffering, I got a headache. No, no, no. They were dying. They were getting killed. They were getting murdered. They were getting stripped of everything they had. So think of suffering times a billion. This is what was going on. In this, Peter is writing to these people, and he's saying, listen, live holy as God is holy. I'm like, wait a minute, Peter. <laughs> that man just took my mama and threw it to some lions, and you're telling me I'm supposed to be living holy like God is holy? What's going on? So everything you see in Peter is what he's telling these people who are going through that. He said in the verse above, verse 13, verse 14, do not fear what they fear or be intimidated. That's kind of hard to say to somebody who just saw their daddy get ripped by a lion in half. But in your hearts, regard Christ as Lord as holy, ready as any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you or the reason for the hope that is in you. What Peter said is, listen, as followers of Christ, you should be living, even in your suffering, even in your hard time, even in the most worst thing that you can imagine happening, you should be living a life such that the beauty, the strength, and the desirability of the hope that is in you is obvious and clearly seen to everyone that's around you. That's crazy to me. Peter said, I should be living such that when people look at me in my suffering, in my pain, in my hard times, in my the worst thing that could ever happen, when unsaved people look at me, they're like, wow. Look at beauty, the beauty that Olu's exuding right now. Look at the strength that he's showing. Whatever that is, whatever's allowing him to smile and to function and to live holy and to live righteous and make right decisions, whatever is allowing him to be kind one to another while all this bad stuff is going on, that's something I would need to ask about. Hey Amen. What, what, how, how are you able to do that? Peter said that the follower of Christ should be living such a way that the expectations of God's future rewards and vindication will be obvious to the others who observe them. Let me say the hope. That hope is an awaiting expectation. When you see hope in the Bible, it's not like we say, I hope Kawhi Leonard goes to the Lakers. That's a hope. That's a, that's a I hope. Uh, you know, I hope Kawhi Leonard goes to the Magic. That's something I don't know if it's going to happen. I wish it would. When you see hope in the Bible, that is something that you know without a shadow of a doubt that's going to happen that just hasn't happened yet. It's called, the Bible calls it an awaiting expectation. I know this is going to happen. It hasn't happened yet, but I know it's going to happen, and I'm excited for it. And so what, Paul, what Peter told the church was that, listen, as followers of Christ, you should be living such that that awaiting, that confident expectation of God's future rewards and vindication. You're going through pain now, but I know that the Bible says that all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to his purpose. The Bible says that God's kingdom will come and his kingdom will rule no matter what man is doing. God said that I will never leave you nor forsake you. So as I'm going through this, I'm not going to live like I'm going through this. I'm going to live and respond and act and smile and walk and talk like I'm already in the victory and this pain and punishment is over. And so Peter said, that's how you should live so that when people who say see you and say, oh, my goodness, does he know that he just ripped his mom up in half? Does he know that he just took all his, job, all his money and now he's broke? Does he know they just told all the stores don't feed him food? Don't let him buy food? Because he sure ain't living like that. He's living like everything is perfect. That's our responsibility. The follower of Christ is living, Peter said, such that those who come in contact with him or her are asking about what they observe. 
Paul said, be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks a hope that is in you. So first part of that is first, I need to be living in such a way that somebody wants to come up to me and ask, hey, man, how are you doing that? Think about how I need to live to do that. And people say, why are you so happy all the time? You heard people say that to some people. You see that, you're like, why are you so happy all the time? What is it about you? How can you, we just found out, you just found out your daddy had cancer. How are you able to still come to work every day and smile? How are you still able to do this and do that? Oh, because of the hope that is in me, I have an awaited expectation because I know that God, who created everything, is in charge and he's sovereign. And I know that the Bible says that one day because of sin and Adam going his own way, the Bible says that death enters the world. And so people die and people get cancer and bad things happen to people. But I know that Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again. He got victory over death. And the Bible says that if I put my trust and my reliance in him, I too can share in his victory. I too can share in that. And so even though I just found out my dad had cancer, even though I just found out the worst thing that ever happened, though it's hard and it's painful, I have a confident expectation that no matter what happens, God is going to get the glory. God is going to bring me through this. And then one day I'll be with him side by side. So that's how we can engage in those conversations instead of, wow. Your dad just got cancer. How you doing? Well, you know, we're just taking it day by day. You missed an opportunity. You had an opportunity right then to talk about the goodness of God. You had an opportunity right then to contend for the faith. You had an opportunity right then to give an answer to someone who asked about the hope that is within you. As Christians, we need to look for those opportunities. We need to snatch those opportunities, and we need to go all out when we get those opportunities. The Bible says, Peter said, to be ready to give answers. Now, in order to give an answer, you have to know the answer. That's the part of it. That's my responsibility as a Christian. So Peter said, make sure you're ready at all times to give an answer. That means I need to know the answers beforehand. The believer must understand what he or she believes and why I believe what I believe. Then I can articulate or tell or share or give that answer, like Peter said, to my beliefs humbly, thoughtfully, reasonably, and biblically. And so the responsibility is for me to be able to give an answer at any time when someone asks about how I live or asks about my faith. I have to know the answers. And so I have to take it upon myself to get this book and crack it open and go through it. Okay, what do I believe? I believe that Jesus is God. I heard my pop say it. I heard the preacher say it. Why do I believe that Jesus is God? the Bible says so. Okay, that's good. That's number one. Why else? Where does the Bible say so? Hmm, that's a good question. Because if someone asks me why I'm living like this, I'm going to say, well, because I believe in God. And they say, well, how do you know God exists? How do I know God exists? Hmm, how would I be able to answer that question? Hmm, why don't I go do what all these people are doing that's sinning against God? Why don't I do that? Well, because my parents taught me otherwise. That's cool. Well, why did they teach me otherwise? Well, because the Bible says, hmm, where does the Bible say that? That's what, as the body of Christ, that's what our responsibility is, so that we may be able to give an answer. So Jude says, listen, this, 
belief that we have, this salvation that's oh so sweet. Jew says that my responsibility as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, is to contend for it. I'm to engage. I'm to look for opportunities. How can I get involved? How can I bring up Jesus in this conversation? I'm about to talk to this guy about basketball. How can I bring God into this? How can I bring salvation into this? How can I bring his rebellion into this? Because that's what I'm supposed to do. Okay, hmm, we're about to go to this game together. Oh, we're about to watch this. Oh, we're about to talk about this. How can I bring God into this? How can I engage? How can I get shoulder to shoulder? How can I make this uncomfortable for him? Why? Because he's dead and he's dying and he's on his way to hell and the wrath of God is on him and it's not on me and it's my responsibility to tell him or her. Contend for the faith. Peter says, listen, not only should you contend, you should also be ready at all times to give an answer to anyone who asks. So that means first, I have to live such a way that they want to ask me. You see some Christians that I, and, and, and not, to, not to judge, but you look on Facebook, and you see people who are supposed to be Christian, supposed to be saved, and you see some of the stuff they say, and some of the stuff they repost, and some of the stuff they act. Girl, let me tell you this. Or, look, look, I'm a, I love Jesus, but. And it's like, yeah, but are you living a life such that the unsaved people will look at you and say, wow, you see how they're living? I need to find out why they're living like that. That's, that's amazing. I want to I learn more about why they do what they do. I want to learn more about this Jesus because I see how they act. That's my responsibility. And so Peter says, first you live like that, then be ready when they ask you. Because if you live like that, they're going to ask. And so I should be ready for that. Contend for the faith, Jude. Be ready to give an answer, Peter. And lastly, turn with me to Mark chapter 16. We talked about this one several times. Matthew, Mark. Mark is one of the four gospels. Actually, Mark is a set of three gospels that we call the what? Begins with a sin, rhymes with optic. Synoptic, very good. <laughs> Synoptic Gospels. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. This is after the resurrection morning. Mark 16, 15 says this. Then he, talking about Jesus, said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Jew says that my responsibility as a follower of Christ is to contend for the faith, to engage, to give it all I have, to get up close and personal, to get uncomfortable with people because I'm telling them about this faith, this belief that I have. It tells me to refute whenever they say something against the Bible. It tells me to correct them whenever they say something in opposition to this. Peter came along and says, be ready at all times to give an answer. When people ask you, they look at you, why, why do you live like that? Hmm, how you doing today? Huh, how can you smile when all this is going on? Hey, man, you tell you what, man, this stuff is happening in politics today. It's crazy, right? Yeah, it is crazy. You know why it's crazy? It's crazy because we decided to go against what God said. Remember, it's crazy how God set up this world. He set it perfect. The Bible said it was good. And we came and jacked this thing all up. Now we got murder. We got wars. We got people lying in office. We got just people uh, uh, on welfare who need help, not getting the help. All this bad stuff is happening because man has decided to rebel against God. That's crazy, right? They'd be looking at you like, I didn't know we were talking about this topic. <laughs> but thanks be to God that God himself came down and Jesus came and said, listen, in this crazy, crazy world, you can still live right. And he showed us and they killed him for it. That's crazy, right? 
But thankfully, he didn't stay there. He got up with all power in his hand. And now I have an opportunity to partake in that same power that he has. And I don't have to live in this. Even though I'm in this crazy world, I can live knowing that I don't have to depend on the craziness. Or I'm not, it doesn't determine what happens out there, what happens to me. I know what's going to happen to me because I put my trust and my reliance in Christ. I've stopped rebelling. I've laid down my weapons of revolt. And now I'm rolling with Christ and with what he says. And I know what's going to happen in the future based on that. I just took a conversation that could have been about Trump, and I turned it all the way to God. And in less than two minutes, I had brought the salvation message. And then Mark comes around, and the gospel says, it's my responsibility to contend, to give answer, and then to preach. I'm supposed to go and tell them. Tell them the bad news so I can tell them the good news. That's my responsibility as a believer. Now, notice out of those three things, contend for the faith, give an answer for what you believe, and preach the gospel. Notice what is not my responsibility. My responsibility is not to convince them to be saved. I never said that. Go out there and you convince them to get saved. And you don't, you leave them, you don't leave them alone until they make, no. God didn't say that. When you go out there, save people. You go, your responsibility is to save them. No. It's not my responsibility to save them. It's not my responsibility to convince them. It's not my responsibility to press them all the way until they make decisions. My responsibility is to contend. I'm going to engage. We're going to bring up this conversation. In every conversation, I'm going to bring it up. We're going to talk about it. You're going to know when Olu come around, hey, we're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about the rebellion, sin. We're going to talk about this Jesus guy. And we're going to talk about hope in the future. My responsibility is to be ready to give an answer. So they say, hey, man, what do you think about this? Hey, man, you heard about what happened in such and such and such? Oh, can you believe this is going on? Hey, man, how's your mom doing? I heard she was sick. Or whatever they, whenever they ask me something, I need to be prepared to tell them about this belief I have and the hope that I have. And then I need to preach everywhere I go. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them what thus saith the Lord. I don't have to save them. I don't have to convince them because that is on the Holy Spirit. God said, listen, I'm going to take that pressure off you. <laughs> so now I don't have to worry about, okay, make sure I say the right thing. You know what? You know what? You know what? I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I didn't. Ah, I didn't go to Bible school. I didn't go to seminary. Okay, listen. You know what? I just don't want to say, Jesus love you. Ah, don't say Jesus love you. That's too corny. That's corny. They're going to be stupid. They're going to look at me stupid, and then we're not going to be friends no more. Okay, don't, don't. No. Take that pressure off yourself. Padilla says, and I love the phrase, you just say what God says. You let that lion out the cage. You just say the word and let the word do the work. God says, I'll, I'll, work, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll change the heart. You don't have to change your heart. I'll do that. You just tell them. Father, we love you. I pray, God, that as the body of Christ, as follows of you, God, that we would look at this beautiful salvation that we have. That we would understand it, God, that we will know it so that we can do those three things, God, as follows of you. We can contend for the faith. We can be ready at all times to give an answer for this faith and that we may be able to preach the gospel to everyone that we come in contact with. I pray, God, that this body, us that follows the way, God, will be able and be ready and prepare ourselves to do those three things as we move into this future, God, so that we can impact this world for you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <music>
Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.